Shepherd on a hillside, as common as the clothes I wear that smell like I've been sleeping in a barn. The last people in this world to ever bow before a king, but here we are.
darkest valleys Fixed on the star the lights I wait Bringing all the gifts I have to give in worship When I finally see my Savior's face for us all He's for us all Our God is with us And He is for us all Well, you're no spring chicken That was the very first thing my neighbour said when I told her I was pregnant Can you believe it? Maybe she just didn't believe me, but I don't hold it against her. She's been a tag cranky ever since she found a scorpion in a girdle drawer. Maybe she just couldn't understand how much of a miracle this was for me. Zachariah and I, we had been trying our whole lives to have a child of our own. By the time most of my hair had turned gray and Zachariah's turned loose, we'd given up hope. But nothing is impossible with God. He seems to delight in making life in impossible barren places. And as if that wasn't enough, the angel who brought us this unbelievable news had more to say. This child, our son, would be used by God to prepare our people for the coming of the Messiah. It was all too much of a gift to be real. But then I thought, how we even begin to train a child for a job like that? I bet God had those details covered too, and it kept getting better. When I was about six months along, my cousin Mary came for a visit. No sooner had she said hello than my unborn son jumped and flipped inside of me. Right then, God opened my eyes to clearly see this young girl Standing in our home was also with child and he'd be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Nine months later, we got the news in Bethlehem and I looked over at Zachariah holding our very own miracle baby and I had one of those God moments that moment when you realize that God had different plans. He'd brought us life to barren places. He hadn't forgotten about us. And he would never leave us alone again. Had I known then what I know now, Of course there would have been room in my inn. Oh man, I would have given up my own bed for them. But I didn't know. 
how could I have? This place, this place was packed. I've never seen Bethlehem so busy. The government, the government made everyone in the entire world go back to their hometown to be registered. Look, I get it, the government's got to get their money. But since no one wanted to stay with their in-laws, I was booked solid. I remember that night really well. Every room I had was taken long before dinner, and these two, they didn't arrive until at least two hours after. Talk about desperate. He was scared, exhausted. She, she was about to burst. As they're walking up to me, I'm planning what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, look, I'm sorry, I have no room. But then, then they get to me. And they just, they just stand there. He's looking down at the ground, obviously trying to gather his thoughts. And she, she winces ever so slightly in pain. And then he just looks at me and says, please. That's all he said. Please. Let me tell you a story. Oh, I would have been five years old. I was helping mum set the table for some dinner. And I notice we've got too many plates out. And I say to her, mum, what's with all the plates? And she says, oh, you never know who might turn up. <laughs> and I can remember giving her this look. I, You're crazy. And she turns to me and says, son, you never know who God might bring your way. You always make room. So I look at this man and his wife and I say, I don't know where I'm going to put you, but I'll make room. And that's what I did. I made room. It wasn't the greatest of rooms, but it was all I had. Do you know what? Mum was right. You always make room, especially when it comes to God. Meh, started out like any other night, except for that angel. Never seen anything like it before or since. Now us shepherds, meh, we don't get a lot of excitement. But that angel came right up to us, so beautiful, so bright. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Sam, you've been spending way too much time in the pasture. Now I was thinking the exact same thing. Until that angel started talking to us. Don't be afraid, the angel said. So I shouted right back at him and said, too late. So, then the angel said, bread, milk, but, oh, that's my grocery list, hold on. Oh, where is it? Where? Oh, idiot. Here we go. Okay. I have good news of a great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a saviour, which is Christ the Lord. Then the angel said, There is a baby lying in a manger, wrapped in cloth. Now go and find him. <laughs> Fair enough. Then one of the other shepherds go, So what are we waiting for? Let's get out of here and go to Bethlehem. So we will skedaddle our way out of there and find that baby. Ah, I was a different man after that night because God had chosen me. And out of all the people, no one had ever chosen me. <laughs> I always remember what that angel said. Good news for all the people. That meant me too. It was the longest, most difficult, scariest, exciting, most wonderful day of my life. When you realize that God has allowed you to become a father, there's nothing I can compare that to. And when it seems that he has deemed you fit, 
to be the stepfather of his son, that's, that's pretty overwhelming. He's a perfectly healthy, happy baby boy. He was born like most every other baby. I understand now why they call it labor. I have worked every day since I was 12. And never in my life have I worked as hard as Mary did that night. And Mary, she's amazing. Through it all, not just the birth, but the months of people talking about us behind our backs and the week-long trip to Bethlehem. And after all that, I watched as she turned a feeding trough into a cradle. And it didn't even faze her. She's amazing. Through it all, she never asked why. She just did all that God asked her to do, knowing that even if she didn't understand all that was happening, the thing she did know was that God was in control. She was open to his will. Now I understand why God chose her. I really do. The thing I don't get is why For as long as I could remember, we've been waiting for the Messiah to come for us. It's just always been that way. I always knew he'd come, but, well, let's be honest. It's not like I'm from Jerusalem or someplace special. I'm just a girl, a nobody from Nazareth. Everyone knows not much good comes out of Nazareth never has. I thought for sure that angel had come to the wrong house with his announcement. But if this was what God wanted, then who was I to tell him he was wrong? And Joseph, oh God bless that wonderful man. He could have joined in with everyone else, sent me away, even had me killed but he never broke his promise to marry me. So when he went to Bethlehem for the census, I was honored to write his side, even with heartburn, bloated cankles, and nine months of pregnancy behind me. You know those pregnant women who tried different things to induce labor, like taking frequent walks or eating spicy food? <laughs> well, what they should do is set out on a bumpy 70-mile trip to Bethlehem because not long after we arrived, well, I had never done this myself before, but it was time. With each wave of pain, I tried to ignore the fact that I was having this child without my family to help me, without the familiarity of home. When Jesus was finally born, I forgot all that though. I wrapped him in cloth and made the most comfortable bed I could with the only thing we had, an animal's feeding trough. Joseph said I should have been sleeping then, but I couldn't stop staring at him. There he was, the one the angels had told me about. My heart was so full, but None of my words are big enough to express it. I wasn't the first young mother to bring a child into the world. It's always been that way. But as I looked down at my son, my redeemer, I knew he was the one who would change everything. Because he had already changed me. God had been silent for over 400 years. We knew because we'd been listening, well, in a, in a sense. 
My job? Well, my job was to listen. People who talk a lot, we don't generally think of them as being wise, do we? No. There's a few other things we think, but wise is not generally one of them. In my position, I looked for signs everywhere. We watched the stars. We watched them and tried to interpret what they were telling us. I read of a star that would announce the coming of a new king. And then out of nowhere, a star appeared. But this star was different. It shone like a beacon in the night. After watching it for a while, I really felt that this was the star that the Jews had been looking for. The one foretold in their ancient scripture. The star of the Messiah. So, I followed it. There were a few of us, and yes, we actually followed a star. It was so bizarre. But this star uh, led us. It moved, and we followed. Eventually, it led us to Jerusalem, and that's where we met Herod. Now, he claimed that he also wanted to worship the Messiah. So he asked us to, no, no. He demanded that when we found the newborn, we return and tell him. But we'd been warned in a dream not to trust this man. For more than two years, we journeyed, being guided by this star all the way to Judea. And then it stopped. Shining down on a, on a small cottage. There was no palace fit for a king. Just the home of, of a peasant. It was, it was nothing like what we'd expected. Just a small cottage. So this was it. We gathered our thoughts and our gifts and did what we could to contain our emotions. And then behind that door, we found a new king. A king who not only commands the movement of the stars in the sky, but who chose to come and live amongst his people. God had finished being silent. He spoke and his word became flesh and he came to dwell with his people. We bowed down that night. Oh yeah. We bowed down before that baby boy. Each of us laid our gifts at his feet. We just... For 400 years of silence had been broken by the cries of a new king. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. He spoke. And we, well, we, we worshipped. Weren't they excellent? You know, we, um, we see in that drama there two things happening. We see people being utterly confused. They're confused about, you know, why would God choose me? You know, why would God choose me? And, and they're so bewildered and confused by that. But we also see amazement. We see them being amazed that God would be with them. So yes, they're confused that God would use them. But wow, God is with us. And that 
really is the heart of Christmas. It's the heart of why we celebrate Christmas, the sense that this Messiah, this amazing one who came after 400 years of silence, he broke the silence with an amazing act that we see that the God of the universe became one of us. And I I don't know about you, but that's what I love about Christmas. I love the fact that Jesus is here and that he is with us. You know, we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And so I don't know about you, but when you hear that term, when you hear the name of God, Emmanuel, what does that conjure up in your mind? That God, the God of the universe, is actually here and he is with us. He's not with the spiritual person that you're thinking of, that person who who looks like they've got it all together and they pray 24 times, once for every hour, and they get no sleep and they do all these amazing things. He's not just with that person, but he's with you. God with us. You know, for me, I, I think sometimes in my life, I've had moments where I've really felt like, God, where are you? in the midst of all of this pain or a desperate situation or something that I've found extremely hard. There's been times in my life, if I'm being honest, where I've honestly thought, God, where are you in this situation? And yet there's been other times where, you know, I've just been, you know, so excited about something and it's not just excitement, it's something more. It's the fact that God has shown himself to me in a unique way. And I really felt like God is so real. In fact, he's, he's almost more real than, than I can explain. He's almost more real than I am. I'm more convinced about the reality of God than I am even real. Aren't I crazy? It's a bit cuckoo, I know. But God is real. He's so, so real. And, and after 21 years of choosing to follow Christ, I've come to learn that he is close, that he is here, that God is the great Emmanuel, that he is with us. You know, I've been choosing to follow Jesus for 21 years. And every time I pursue him and go further, I'm just blown away that God is close and he is not far from us. You know, when, when I was younger, we uh, used to play hide and seek. It, you know, n- nearly everyone here probably has played that game. But when I was younger, we used to play hide and seek. And I feel like I had a distinct advantage. See, I was an ectomorph which basically means in bodybuilding terms that I had no hope of being a bodybuilder because I was so skinny and I could hide anywhere. Um, I would go behind little slits in the couch and like just get in between the couch and I don't know how I got there, but I would just sort of shake and in there I was and I would hide there and nobody would look because they thought no natural person could ever fit in this space. And that was my gift. I was extremely skinny back then. And so I used to also hide above this cupboard area. We had a, a little cupboard and I'd get in there and nobody would think that you could fit in that little space above the top. And I'd climb up there in the 20 seconds I had while they were counting and I'd get in there and I'd get all the blankets and I'd put them in front of me and nobody would ever think that that's where I was. If you're getting a bit of the picture, I was extremely competitive. I'm not so competitive today because I just lose and that's not fun. So I'm not competitive anymore. Uh, Well, a little bit competitive. All right, so if I can win, I'm competitive. But we would play this game. And uh, you know what? To this day, as an adult, I'm here to say to you that we still play hide and seek in our house. Um, The boys love it. They're always like, can we play, you know, actually we call it murder in the dark, which is like hide and seek on steroids. It's very, very scary. And so we walk around our house and it's pitch black. You, you can't see your hand in front of your, your face and somebody starts counting and that's when the terror begins. And we're like, oh no, quick, 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 quick. And you're running and the kids are like watching as much as they can, listening. Like that's cheating. You should be blocking your ears and hiding in some little corner so that you can't hear. But the boys always cheat and they find me. And, um, you know, we play this game with, you know, murder in the dark and you can feel yourself panicking. They're going to get you and you don't know where they are and they don't know where you are. And I'll always hide, but I don't quite have the distinct advantage that I had when I was a little child. 
because for whatever reason, I always seem to be either found first or somewhere along the line, and I rarely win, and it's the most frustrating, infuriating thing because I want to win. I am that kind of father. I don't want to say to my boys, well, good on you, here I am, you found me. I want to win. I want to crush every sense of competitiveness they have so that they know that their father is the one. That's how it works. All right. And then they become teenagers and they realize that your father's just a broken man like everyone else. But I'm not winning in this game at all. And it's, it's really hard. So that's my counseling session over. Um, my point with that is that God isn't like us. I can just imagine in my mind's eye that if, if Jesus was here right now and, and God was here in the flesh, that if we all decided to play a church game of hide and seek, how much fun would that be? Boring game, one room, not many places to hide. But I can imagine Jesus kind of like over here, you know, like hiding. And, uh, and let's say Pastor Carl was the person counting. And he's like, all right, one, two, three, cheating, looking. And then it gets to 20, that moment where you're like, oh, be quiet and don't do anything. I can imagine God the Father saying, I'm here. Here I am. You found me. Come and find me. I'm right here. And theologically, that's what we understand about God, that he desires to be found by us. He's no good at hide and seek. He's really not. He just says, I'm here. I'm here. That's the God we serve. See, unlike me, he's a good father. He doesn't want to win and crush the competition. He wants to be found by us. Aren't you glad that God wants to be found by us? Three of you are. Good. All right. So I'm glad. And so in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You know, that is how we are to approach God. We are to approach God with all of our hearts saying, God, I know you are the great Emmanuel, God with us, but I want to seek you with all my heart. And that's where we kind of find uh, the three wise men in the scripture. As was said before, there was 400 years of silence. And the, the three wise men were looking, seeking where this Messiah was going to come from. It was a dry time in, in the history of man. And God had been silent for 400 years. And the three wise men were looking. They were seeking with all of their heart, where is this God going to come from? There was prophecies about a star that would come and show the way. And so they were watching. They were looking for this star. They were trying to find the star. And you know, what we know is that it actually took about two years of following the star for the wise men to come and find Jesus. And I want to say to you that don't just think, you know what? One moment of me following God, I, I, everything's going to be okay. That if I just follow Jesus for a little while, it's all going to be okay. You know, maybe for you, it could take two years of diligent searching. God, I want to follow you. God, I, I want to, you know, I want to do things your way. Let's, you know, let me follow you. In fact, you find that Jesus in Scripture oftentimes said, and you don't have to have a huge education in the Bible to know this, you often find Jesus saying, Come, what's the other part of this? Come, this is going to fail really badly. Come, follow me. Jesus always said, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And I want to say to you that I believe that God himself is inviting us to do exactly the same this Christmas. Just as the three wise men followed the star, I believe that God is saying to us, you can follow Jesus and you will find God. And they followed the star of Bethlehem. You know what? I'll tell you what the wise men didn't do. They didn't sit and pontificate about the star. They didn't write stories about the star. They didn't just tell old wise tales about this glorious star that they saw. They didn't sit and bask in the rays of the star and go, wow, isn't that amazing? It's incredible. They didn't sit and take a selfie of the star. Look, star, it's amazing. Look, who would have thought it? They didn't have phones back then. But they, they didn't chisel out a tablet of them and the star in the background, okay? And post it on Not To Your Facebook, all right? Some of you will get it. It's okay, all right. I'll leave it with you. They didn't do that. There wasn't a whole bunch of inaction. They simply went, we've been looking for this star. There it is. Let's go. 
And I want to say to you, there are a mix of people here today. Some of you are going to be in awe of Christmas and you're going to bask in the, in the amazing tinsel and the trees and the chocolate and the food and all of these different things. You know, some of us will follow the star. We will follow God. I want to invite you. That is one of the greatest things you could ever do with your life is follow the star. You know, right now we're going to change tact a little bit and have a bit of fun. So uh, on the next slide, you're going to see a Where's Wally picture. Now, not those of you who are in the first service, you bunch of cheaters, you know what you Christians are like. Um, who can tell me where, where Wally is? Can anybody see Where's Wally? No, you cheaters. I'm pointing at my boys there. Anyone, can anyone see Wally? You can call it out. If you know where he is, call out. Is he on the bike? No, he's not on the bike. Where would he be? You can call it out. Can you find Wally? Where is he? I'm seeing hands up for my children and actors who have been here already and seen this. Okay, Ben, where, where is he? Up, up the top on the left? In the middle? No, he's not. Let me, let me point Wally out to you. Can you see Wally? Can you see Wally? All right, and don't, you're not talking about me. I'm pointing at the, the screen. You know what? That, that can be quite hard. In fact, I'll, it's pretty much conclusive. This service isn't quite as smart as the first service because we had young Sam who did it in about a hundredth of a second. It was amazing. I think Nari had something in, to play there. But, um, you know, if I was to say to you again right now, where's Wally? You would all say, oh, he's over there. Bottom left, there he is. You know, sometimes that can be what it feels like to try to find God. There's so many people saying, I'm trying to find God. You know, where is he? I can't find him. But once you know the way, once you know where he is, it's easy to find God. And we as Christians, we are part of that amazing sort of riddle, just like that. We can point people into the direction of where God is. And so that is exactly what the star represents for us. You know, to me, the wise men followed the star and they found Jesus. We follow Jesus Christ himself. And if we will follow Jesus, we will find peace with God. And as soon as we do, it is an anchor for our soul. It is a place where we can rest. It is a place that we can say, God, I found you. And then we learn that God actually found us. But our role in it is to follow Jesus and follow the star. You know, I'm going to end with this verse in Ecclesiastes Chapter 3 and verse 11. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And as I studied that verse, I realized that it was building a picture of God as an artist. That he has made everything beautiful. Doesn't that sound like an artist? I want to make everything beautiful. I mean, I can draw some amazing stick figures. You should see them. They'd probably sell for three bucks. I don't think that's much. I don't think they'd sell at all, would they? All right. But some people just have this knack of being able to create something incredibly beautiful. And that's what our God does. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. See, I believe that there is something in the heart of every man and woman on the face of this earth that desires God, that God has set eternity in our hearts, that we want something more than the temporal. We want something more than just this temporary life. And that is evidenced by the fact that we are constantly trying to fill that hole. You know, we might try to fill that hole with, um, you know, new gadgets or, you know, great smartphones or um, you know, fancy cars or, or lots of food. In fact, my sons and me, myself, last night, in fact, all of our family engorged on a whole bunch of naughty food. There was chocolate and wafers and other stuff. I don't know. I didn't cook it. There was Lebanese dip, which was my favorite. So there you go. Lots of garlic. Keep your distance today. But one of my sons went to bed and he's just like, Dad, I feel sick. My skin is stretching and my, I feel so full. And he was like, I need a bucket. And he couldn't find a bucket. So he ended up getting a, a washing, not basket, but 
big contained thing without any holes in it. A tub, thank you. And he had this tub and he went to bed. He's like, oh, I feel so sick. He does it a lot. It's Hugh Jordan. He always does it. Go to Sizzler. It's like, I feel sick. And so, but I can guarantee you that this afternoon we will go home and uh, he'll be feeling a bit better and there'll be all this food on display. And what's he going to do? He's going to try to plug that hole again. And he'll be like, I feel sick. And I think that's exactly what we do in life. We have a God-shaped hole in our heart and nothing that you do, not church, not relationships, not technology, not things, not stuff, not even creation, is going to fill that hole. And this Christmas, we understand that God is with us. God is right here. Popularity isn't going to fix that hole in your heart. A sense of self-worth isn't going to fix that hole in your heart. But a relationship with God himself, that is why it has been put there. And so the rest of that verse goes on to say that even though God has made everything beautiful and he has put a desire in our heart for him, it goes on to say that no one can, it says, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And isn't that true? Don't we walk around going, God, you know, what is this all about? What is this earth about? If you have made everything beautiful, then why, why do we struggle? Why do we go through all these things? And I want to say to you, I think it's because God hasn't finished yet. Just like an artist reveals the beauty of, of the piece that they're working on in the final strokes. You know, I can watch somebody painting something and honestly, I think, what are you doing? It just looks like blobs on this board. And then right at the end, you see those final strokes that just begin to make sense of the whole piece. And that's when you stand back and go, wow, that's incredible. That is what God as an artist is like. And for some of us, he is just painting those final strokes on our life. And you know, right now, we're, we're going to sing a song. And the, the song is called Emmanuel, God with us. And you know, maybe for you, maybe you can't see the beauty of God in your own heart. Maybe you can't see that God is doing something beautiful in your life as an artist, as the greatest artist, that God is doing something beautiful in your life. And maybe you can't see that God is with you in your life story. And perhaps for the first time, your, your, your heart, you can sense that it's wanting to say, God, I want to follow you. I want to go and do it your way. I want to follow you and do what you've got for me for my life. Because nothing else in this life will fill that hole in my heart. And if that's you, just like many of us who have done that over the years, and we are so glad that we have. You know, maybe for you, this could be the very first time where you just say, God, speak to me. God, help me to follow you. God, I can't even follow you all by myself. But God, would you help me to follow you? And I want to invite you right now as the, as the band sings, open your heart and say, God, help me to follow you.
And so now we live in the reality that God is with us. But maybe you don't experience that for your own life. Maybe you feel like God is far away. You know, right now I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask that everybody closes their eyes and bows their head. I'm going to pray for those who in this moment are deciding, God, I want to follow you. You know, I want to start to take steps to know what it means to follow God. And I'm going to pray that God would feel so near to you that you could begin that journey so that the God being with us could mean so much more than just something at Christmas. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you went to extraordinary lengths to reach us, to save us, to be the God that is with us, to not be a God who is distant, not be a God who can't be found. But God, you proclaim that I can be found and here I am. And that those who seek you with all of their heart, God will find you. That is a great promise. And Lord, you are not a liar. And so, Father, I pray for those who have chosen to follow you from this day on. Lord, maybe it's for the very first time or maybe they've tried to follow you in the past and lost their way. God, you are the God of the second, the third. And God, you are the God of, of, of the, of, Lord, just gives us so many chances in our life to follow you. God, I pray that you would show yourself to be the great Emmanuel, God with us. And help us, Lord, as we follow you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.